2: This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and on ESPN Plus, ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. I'm Amber Wilson. She's Katie George. We are filling in for the guys, taking you up until 7 o'clock Eastern. You can tweet to me and Katie at amberw Sports at Katie underscore George 05. You can also always join the conversation on the CC call-in line at 1-888-ESPN, 888-729-3776. So, Katie, we have an action-packed show, a lot to get to. We had some breaking news within the last hour where Tony Busby, the lawyer who represents Deshaun Watson had put out a statement saying that 30 women who made or planned to make claims against the Houston Texans have settled their claims. We will absolutely get into what that means throughout the show. Also, we are in the midst of ESPN Radio NFL two-a-days where we break down two NFL teams for you every single day. Today on the clock are the Miami Dolphins and the Los Angeles Chargers. And is Donovan Mitchell all but a New York Knicks? So we will get into all of that. But first, Katie, the Phoenix Suns, after I signed off air yesterday, they stepped up to the plate, and they did what a lot of people were surprised, frankly, that they did. They matched the Indiana Pacers offer sheet for DeAndre Ayton. It was $133 million offer sheet for the restricted free agent. The Suns had 48 hours to match it. They matched it much quicker than that. The biggest offer sheet ever – in NBA history, which is pretty remarkable. Here was Adrian Wojnarowski, ESPN NBA Insider on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max with the Suns matched.
0: That's what restricted free agency is, guys. You're, they challenged DeAndre Ayton to go out in the marketplace and find the Max offer. Um, and so once he did, once he and his agents went out, got that four years, 133 from Indiana, Then Phoenix matched it, and now they have him under contract.
2: They have him under contract, but it feels like they're big losers in this situation because it feels like, Katie, they rolled the dice. They didn't offer him the rookie extension that he wanted last offseason. They didn't think he was a max player. Then he went out, frankly proved them wrong, and now they're about to pay him max money.
3: Yeah, it was interesting because they didn't show any inclination to negotiate a sign and trade agreement, and so they put it on – agents they put it on Aiton and their onus to say okay well let's see what you can come up with because unfortunately whether you agree or disagree they didn't view him as a max player well the agents and Aiton said oh yes I am and they were able to get the Indiana Pacers to agree to a four-year 133 million dollar deal and so then if you're the Phoenix Suns you have to match right because at that point you can't let a talent like DeAndre Ayton go without receiving anything in return. I mean, he's irreplaceable in terms of what he's able to do for them from a defensive standpoint and then what he presents on the offensive side. I just think it's interesting you go back to the playoffs, right? And they were in that great series with the Dallas Mavericks. If you remember game 7, it was a disaster and Aiton sat on the bench for much of that second half. And you're mm-hmm. wondering what on earth is happening here. And then after the game, Monty Williams only acknowledged it by saying, well, it's internal. And then De- uh, Deandre Aiton didn't actually even speak to the media. And so you wonder internally what was going on there and then certainly now he is going back to the Phoenix Suns you hope that this max deal for him the largest you said offer sheet in in NBA history maybe can patch some things up and they're in a good place moving forward into next season but it certainly impacts what Phoenix can do in terms of landing or trying to land KD because I think that now is off the table
2: yeah it, it, it seems off the table and unlikely we will get to that in just a second I mean in terms of the relationship between eight and the Suns I agree with you it seems pretty obviously fractured you're right it made an appearance on the court just this last postseason but in before that even in in the previous offseason when everybody else in his rookie class who was anybody got their rookie extensions coming out of that 2018 class and DeAndre Ayton didn't because the Suns weren't willing to go there with him and they didn't view him I guess as that important to their success and of course we're talking about a team and Ayton said it at the time Katie where he came out and he said I'm really disappointed because I want to be in Phoenix and we were two wins away from a championship and I was part of that and then of course they go on to the next season be the number one seed uh, by far the best record in the NBA in the regular season sure another disappointing postseason but he is a centerpiece to the success that that team has had and so it does feel like there has been a fractured relationship now for quite some time between the parties and now Aiton is a Phoenix Sun at least until January 15th really probably at least for the entire season. Season because for the next year, he could kind of veto a trade anyways. He has a lot of power even after January 15th on where he could end up if they were trying to trade him away. And with that relationship, why would Aiton help out the Suns? I mean, you mentioned it there with a potential sign and trade. It seems like Aiton wasn't willing to play ball with the Suns because why would Aiton help the Phoenix Suns get Kevin Durant? on his way out the door. And instead, he looked out for himself. He bet on himself, and he ends up winning here because it seems like the Suns are now, I guess, stuck with DeAndre Ayton. I think he should send –
3: well, he probably wanted to end up in Indiana's rebuild there. I think he was excited about their young core and working with some of them. But I do think he owes maybe the Indiana Pacers a fruit basket just to Mm -hmm. thank them uh, for getting him paid in Phoenix where he ultimately wanted to stay prior to the fracture. But you mentioned that draft class. I mean, he was the number one overall pick in 2018 mm-hmm. out of Arizona. Luca, Trey, Jaron Jackson Jr., Shea Gilgis-Alexander, all those guys have gotten paid, to your point. And so for him, I'm sure he's thinking, look, I produce. We made it to an NBA Finals. Obviously, we fell short this last year, but we had the best record in the league. Uh, you know, what about me? I deserve mine, too. And so, you know, what Ayton can do with Devin Booker, uh, and Monty Williams moving forward uh, will be interesting to see. But it certainly plays a factor in what happens with KD uh, because I think Phoenix's ultimate goal was let's just wait to see if we've got the assets to possibly go out and get KD. And Aiton would have been a part of that package. Um, but now, obviously, I don't think that they have the assets to be competitive with what other, some other teams are going to be competitive with.
2: Yeah, he would have been part of that package in a sign and trade instead now because they match the offer sheet. They couldn't trade him before January 15th. Uh, we don't know when, of course, the Brooklyn Nets are going to move Kevin Durant, but it all seems so far less likely now. Here was Woj on the Sun signing Ayton and how it affects Kevin Durant.
0: It makes it harder because while Brooklyn didn't have an interest in Ayton, Ayton could have been uh, a, a, an asset moved around in, in a three or a four-team deal to maybe get Brooklyn something they wanted Uh, in a Kevin Durant trade. And so now you look at Phoenix's roster, and Devin Booker can't be traded. They weren't going to trade Devin Booker in any deal. But he can't be traded for a year because he just signed that new extension. Aiton, again, January 15th, or maybe not at all for a year if he doesn't uh, agree to it. And now now Mikel Bridges is an outstanding young player. Cam Johnson's a good young player. Um, and then your picks and you go, does Phoenix really have enough um, to all, to make the kind of knockout offer that Brooklyn would want for Kevin Durant.
3: Everyone needs to blame the Utah Jazz and the Minnesota Timberwolves for the place that we are in in free agency. For Rudy Gobert, the jazz received. Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverley, Walker Kessler, Jared Vanderbilt, a 2023 first-round pick, a 2025 first-round pick, a 2026 pick swap. I think I'm also missing a player in there. A 2027 first-round pick, a 2029 first-round pick. I mean, that is an unbelievable haul for Rudy Gobert. Now, we can make the argument that Kevin Durant is a better player, impacts your franchise, especially if you trade for him and you get him for the next four years. That is so advantageous, and now you know what the precedence is. If you're going to get somebody like KD, you're going to have to put up essentially what the Timberwolves did to get Rudy Gobert or more, and that's just mind boggling to me. So if you're around the league, you got to blame the Utah Jazz and Minnesota Timberwolves. And there's so
2: few teams, of course, that can do that, right? That have the draft capital, that have pieces, that have room to take on the contract, and so that's part of the problem when you're trading for a player like KD, because, of course, the asking price should be much higher than what it was for Rudy Gobert, but there's some complications there, and there's complications with Kevin Durant's age. I mean, how many? yes, four years left on the deal you mentioned, maybe a couple years left in terms of actual prime, though, and then, of course, it's the power that KD wields. Where does KD want to be? So we will continue to unpack how the DeAndre Ayton News impacts the Brooklyn Nets and a potential Kevin Durant Trade, but first, a word from Indeed. If you're finding yourself needing to find your next great hire, then you need Indeed. Their hiring solution makes it simple to attract, interview, and hire candidates all in one place. Just sponsor a post and get matched instantly with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed meet your job description. You can conveniently schedule and conduct virtual video interviews right from the Indeed hiring dashboard. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and earn up to $500 in sponsored job credits when you conduct virtual interviews, terms and conditions may apply.
1: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple.
2: So let's bring in some help with this conversation. And to do that, we bring in Bobby Marks, our front office insider here on and Carlin, Amber Wilson and Katie George filling in for the guys. And Bobby, thanks for joining us. We know that there are ramifications when it comes to the Suns now matching DeAndre Ayton's offer sheet. In terms of Kevin Durant, is it totally over the Kevin Durant to Phoenix sweepstakes?
4: I would say for now, it's probably all but eliminated the... The ability to get Kevin Durant. I mean, I never, you know, we never really thought Brooklyn was going to be the destination for DeAndre, and just based on the, how the finances work. But we thought maybe that third or fourth team would have been involved, and more would have gone Brooklyn's way. Um, but I just look at, I just look at their roster right now, and considering Brooklyn is waiting for that perfect trade package, I just don't see that with the group of players that are there. Certainly, you know, if you're not willing to give up Mikhail Bridges, what is left of that? group there, but a bunch of you know role players and I think certainly the draft picks are nice, but that's a team with Durant on it will be in a you know twenty seven to thirty range for the foreseeable future. So I'd never say never in, in this league, but I would say that it's pretty close for them to be eliminated for at least right now.
3: Where in the world is Bobby Marks? Still in Vegas, heading to Hawaii? Oh Where goodness. are you?
4: You know what? I think this is gonna be my last media interview before I actually fall off the grid. For uh, for a couple weeks here, so I am in the airport in Las Vegas. I am flying to Los Angeles to go to Disneyland with my kids, and then I'm going to Hawaii on Sunday. So that's barring breaking news here. So that's wow. That's the plan right now.
3: Well, you it's deserve it. You deserve it, and I hope KD <laughs> uh, they don't move him. And it seems like they might wait for a little bit. Time is on on their side. What do you think, Bobby? Though it says that Phoenix immediately, um, you know, match that offer for DeAndre. And-
4: yeah. I just think you know it was kind of unanimous. You know when he when he agreed to it um, that really their options were limited. Phoenix was as far as they could have let him walk, but you're letting a guy who averages 18 points, 10 rebounds um, go for nothing. Um, it's hard to replace him. And I think what happened is you know when you do an offer sheet like the Pacers do, what you want to do is you want to put like I say all the bells and whistles, whether it be an advance payment, whether it be a trade kicker, whether it be a player option, just to make it um, like uncomfortable for the Suns. None of that was in the Aiton offer sheet. It was basically a four-year, $133 million max contract here, and it made it easy for Phoenix to match, and that's why you saw it done in basically, I think, 10 minutes after they were presented it.
2: Is DeAndre Aiton going to be on the Phoenix Suns next season? Not this coming, but the following season? I
4: would say, so next summer you mean, right? Next offseason? I would say 50-50. I think it's going to be a little – it's challenging for – you know, him to be traded post-January 15th just based on, you know, he's got veto power. Um, he can approve or disapprove any trade. That goes away when we hit July 1 next year here. So I think certainly with him on the roster, they're still one of the best teams in the Western Conference here. But, you know, if you weren't willing to pay him top dollar as a free agent, you you're basically forced. You know, what does that mean as far as him being part of your future? So I would say probably 50-50. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of splitting it down the middle here, but um, I think there's still a lot of a lot to be played out. I'm interested in what he says when he gets introduced to the media. I'm interested in having yeah. training camp when he gets to see all his, uh, his teammates and everything.
3: Because we remember him sitting on the bench in the second half of Game 7 against the Mavericks, and everybody was scratching their head. And then, obviously, the comments after from Monty Williams and the lack thereof from Aiton. Where do you think the friction or the animosity or, or the fracture happened?
4: I think a lot of it really stems from last off season where basically Phoenix did not offer him anything or close to what he was thinking. He think he views himself as a max player. I think that's certainly up for interpretation. I think certainly how that game seven played where you know he feels like he should have been it should have been played you know that the game should have been played through him, and I think there was I think that was probably about a, you know eight or nine months of frustration kind of boiled into that you know into that Game 7. And for this team to get to a Western Conference Final and NBA Finals, they all got to be on the same page
3: when we get to training camp. Does this patch things up in your mind, or will there still be a little bit of resentment moving forward or too early to tell?
4: Well, $133 certainly in the short term, patches <laughs> a lot that of helps. things up. At least it would be for me, but you <laughs> know how it goes. Like, once you start playing – once you get a little bit of adversity, the financial part of it kind of goes away a little bit here. So I think it puts a band aid on it for right now. I think it's still I think there's some I think there's some hurt feelings or disappointed feelings within probably from both sides here.
2: Yeah, if I was upset with ESPN, $133 million if they hand him that would probably help a little bit, just maybe a little bit. Bobby Marks on and Carlin Amber Wilson, and Katie George filling in for the guys. So, Bobby, in terms of Kevin Durant now, it seems unlikely he's going to the Phoenix Suns. There was another team on that list. Bobby, make me happy. How can the Miami Heat get this done?
4: Well, I think it's challenged. You know, we certainly have talked about the Simmons situation, <clears throat> Ben Simmons as far as not obtaining um you know, Bam out of bio. I think you know, and I don't know if you are in Miami, do you really want to part with Bam? Um, you know, Jimmy Butler certainly not in play. I don't think I don't. I just don't see a, a Kyle Lowry, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson type package and picks there. I think I think any of these teams that are what they're offering, whether it be Toronto or Miami or you know even we've talked about Phoenix here, I just think those trade packages are going to be here in October and November. And I and I, I said all along, I said. Once we start playing, and you guys know how this goes, and there's a little bit of adversity, teams start losing games. Maybe what you're offering in the off season maybe increases a little bit. Maybe an extra player is added that they weren't willing to do. So, I do think it's a little bit challenging for Miami. Whether the Durant, I think Donovan Mitchell will be intriguing. Uh, you know, as far as for them, and certainly, I think you could see them in New York kind of getting into a little bit of a little bit of a bidding war.
2: That would be interesting as well, obviously acquiring any of these guys. So you just mentioned with Kevin Durant, it might be the same situation with Donovan Mitchell then where being patient might actually increase the price for these guys. I'm a little surprised to hear that only because I was thinking that with these teams, particularly the ones that are true contenders, which obviously these guys want to go to particularly with KD. I don't know if it matters where Donovan Mitchell wants to go so much, but particularly with Kevin Durant, you would think that they would want these guys in the locker room for training camp and at the start of the season, no?
4: No, you would. I mean, especially it's a lot easier to do one of these big deals. Um, rosters are expanded 20. That, that um, shrinks to 15 once we start playing games here. Um, but I just think I think people look at Brooklyn kind of a little bit back in the corner here. Um, you you know what the kind of what they're looking for here, and I just think teams are kind of a little bit more resistant to, it, to basically give them everything they want. But I think when we when when you get into the regular season, your emotions you know certainly your emotions change uh, a little bit.
3: How do you think the Rudy Gobert trade impacted what we will see happen with KD?
4: Well, I mean, I thought yeah, I mean, four first round picks and most of them are unprotected. I thought. Brooklyn was always in a position to get you know the the amount of picks they were looking for, and it and it's certainly challenging because there's only there's only ten teams in a league that have all their draft picks to, to trade here. I think the hard part is, and it's different than what you you take out the picks, but they didn't get the players. Brooklyn's looking for both, mm-hmm. and when you're trying to do both as far as draft picks and one or two established All Star level players, that's that's close to near impossible to pull off here and. Um, that's kind of why we're, we're in this. They're in this holding pattern here. But yeah, I mean, I think certainly go Yeah, four picks is a lot, um, but it's not like there's a team out there outside of New York or maybe even Oklahoma City that says, you know what, we're going to trade you seven or eight first round picks because you just you don't have that many, you know, the ability to do so.
2: Still, a lot of questions remain to be answered. It's been a fun NBA offseason, to say the least. Bobby Marks, uh, NBA front office insider. Bobby, thanks for joining us. Turn your phone off. Thank enjoy,
4: you. Hawaii. <laughs> yes, enjoy Hawaii. Enjoy <laughs> Hawaii and Disneyland. I appreciate it. Have a good rest of your show. Thanks.
2: Coming up next, is Deshaun Watson's suspension coming soon? We will get into the breaking Deshaun Watson news. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio.
4: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check.
2: amber wilson and katie george filling in for the guys here on canty and carlin you can tweet to us at amber sports at katie underscore george zero five so although nba talk has largely dominated the airwaves of late because man has it been quite the nba offseason katie there's certainly breaking news happening still across the nfl as we head into nfl training camp and we're in the midst of our NFL ESPN Radio two-a-days, and we will continue to break down teams every single day for you, plus bring you the latest on everything happening around the NFL. So let's bring in some help with that. Jeremy Fowler, Fowler, ESPN NFL reporter, joining us here on Canteen Carlin. And Jeremy, I... I assume you heard the breaking news in the NFL over the last couple hours here. Uh, Deshaun Watson, uh, the Texans, the Texans settled with 30 women with claims or potential claims uh, concerning Deshaun Watson. What do you make of this news about the Texans settling?
5: Yeah, my first reaction was that Houston had a chance to go to trial here. Maybe there was enough evidence involved in the lawsuits uh, that this could have been Handled in court and, and drawn out, and so Houston, uh, you know, made, made the decision to try to settle it in, in its best effort, and so um, it probably didn't uh, didn't want it to go on any longer. And so I don't know. When these things are settled, you never know what to think. Is it is it sort of an admission of guilt, or is it just uh, the best practice in the situation, you know, to, to resolve it amicably? You know, it's it's probably somewhere in between.
3: Jeremy, we're still waiting for uh, NFL disciplinary officer Sue L. Robinson to make her decision on Deshaun's future, especially this season. What's the latest there in regards to his suspension?
5: Well, the expectation is that she could take really another week or so uh, wow. to make the call. You know, you have right up until training camp 27th, uh, which would be a month, uh, Monday or Tuesday, 26th or 27th of that following week, Sometime between now and then is when people involved expect a decision to go down. Uh, but she's been very thorough in the process, and will write a detailed review about everything. And so that's probably what will take some time here. This won't be a flippant decision. This will be a thoughtful one.
2: Jeremy Fowler, ESPN NFL reporter, joining us. Jeremy, we've talked about the Deshaun Watson stuff at Nauseam. We've talked about Baker Mayfield. We've talked about kind of the stories that have dominated the headlines of late. I haven't heard much about Jimmy Garoppolo, though. I mean, it seems that the 49ers are still planning to move forward with Trey Lance and not Garoppolo, but what is happening with him? Why haven't we seen a trade get done yet?
5: Well, I've talked to a few teams who think the 49ers are a little stuck for a couple of reasons. You know, he's still to pass physical. Coming off a shoulder surgery, he's got $24 million on his contract, uh, which a team would have to renegotiate in order to take him on. And uh, the list of suitors is not very large right now. You know, you have Seattle's at least done their homework on Garoppolo. Doesn't mean they're going to make a deal, but they, they've at least, I'm told, uh, talked about it, discussed the possibility of it, and watched film on him and, and all those things. And you know, after that, there, there really isn't a logical spot for him. Maybe Houston. Um, I I don't think Cleveland will get overly aggressive and give up draft picks for him. So, you know, San Fran sort of has to still wait this out a little bit. They want to do something by the end of the month. You know, I could see a scenario where Garoppolo asks for his release because then San Francisco's off the hook for the money and Garoppolo can go choose his team. Well,
3: as we wait to see what happens with Jimmy out in San Fran, we also wait to see what happens with Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. There's still no deal that has been done. Jeremy, if the season starts and he has not signed a deal, could that derail the Ravens uh, and have a negative impact on the team moving forward?
5: So, you know, I don't think so. Really, the the, the, the main issue with all these negotiations is there's going to be a gap in money. Um, I don't know exactly what that gap is, but uh, it does exist, and, you know, Lamar Jackson's got a great resolve in this situation. He wants to... Uh, get a contract commensurate with his skill set um i don't know exactly what that number is but it's certainly well over 40 million dollars a year and so you know the ravens have to bridge that gap you know i talked to somebody with a team who said that they're not panicking and lamar's not panicking and they expect something to get done um it just depends on when you know it doesn't have to be done by training camp they can still wait this out a little bit uh and maybe even do it in season
2: pretty remarkable that he's entering the final year of that rookie deal without a deal in place yet uh, with a player of his caliber. Jeremy Fowler, ESPN NFL reporter joining us. Jeremy, I want to go back to what you said there about Garoppolo for a second because you mentioned there that they might end up having to release him and then he would get to choose where to go. With Garoppolo, are there any indications of, like, where he would, in fact, go? I mean, when we were on the Baker watch for so long, we kept hearing Carolina, Seattle, Carolina, Seattle, and I just really haven't heard much in terms of potential destinations for Garoppolo.
5: Yeah, that's what complicates matters, is it really is hard to to find that logical spot, you know. Um, And Seattle, uh, to their credit, has been fairly dedicated to geno smith and drew Locke, and, and rolling with those guys and sort of resetting their roster and focusing their efforts on that you know knowing that they can get a quarterback next year if they have to um but they've seen enough of Groblo they know what they'd be getting and you know houston is an interesting one just because of gm nick casario and his patriots ties and he was involved in the process of Groblo getting drafted there and but they, they like davis mills a lot you know he's been impressive so far So as a result, it's so late in the game, um, it's just hard to know where to go. Like maybe a team gets in training camp, finds out their quarterbacks aren't as good as they thought and they're a little desperate. Um, But most teams have a solidified starter or a young player that they have to play now. So uh, it's really no slam dunk on that front.
3: Yeah. Very fair. One of the last deals that we're kind of waiting to see get done, and something that Cliff Kingsbury is very excited and hopeful for is Kyler Murray's deal. What can we expect uh, from that deal, and when do you think it actually will be done? Well,
5: I think there's a chance it's done before training camp. The Cardinals want to do it. You know, they know that life with Kyler Murray has been a lot better than it was when they didn't have a good quarterback, so they value that greatly. Um, he's due 5.5 million dollars this year. You know, they know he's not going to want to play on that. Uh, has no interest in playing on that. So, you know, they're going to try to chip away. No hard traction on a deal that I've heard yet, but I do think, you know, closer to camp, sides tend to get together and talk about these things more uh, intently, and we'll, we'll see where it goes from there.
2: Jeremy Fowler, ESPN NFL reporter. Jeremy, thanks for stopping by.
3: Thanks, Jeremy. Hey, thank you. Have a great day.
2: It's funny that we're still waiting, Katie, on the Kyler Murray deal. We're still waiting on the Lamar Jackson deal. I mean, I feel like we have been talking about these quarterbacks and their deals for so long, even when it comes to the Jimmy Garoppolo trade market. I mean, it's remarkable how patient things have been with these teams.
3: Yeah, it's been uh, quiet, right? And you think that Kyler Murray is about to get his deal done so that one we can at least cross off the list. Um, You know, I went to school with Lamar. At Louisville, I think he is an unbelievable talent, but I also think he's a guy that bets on himself. When Jeremy says that he's not worried and the Ravens don't seem to worry, I, I believe that, but I also could see Lamar say, you know what, I'm not necessarily thrilled with this offer, or maybe there's a sticking point that he wants it entirely guaranteed, like we saw with Deshaun Watson's deal in Cleveland, and maybe... The Ravens aren't willing to do that for him given the injury that he sustained last year and just the way that he plays the game. He is obviously out in the open a lot more than pocket passers. And so you wonder if they're willing to do something like that for him because well, the same upside to
2: though, right? Same I mean, with I guess Deshaun... that's the flip side of if you're Lamar Jackson, if you're advocating for yourself,
3: which is also so interesting. I mean, I, I know the talent level of Deshaun, but we haven't seen Deshaun play in so long. Like I, I wonder how, and if he's suspended, you know, what does that look like? And then the rust level that he has to work through, is he mm-hmm. still going to be the same player that we saw with the Houston Texans? I don't know. We at least know where Lamar Jackson is at. When he's healthy. And so I could easily see Lamar say, look, I'm not thrilled with the offer, and I'm just going to take my chances and play my fifth year and prove to you that I'm worth more. And I think that that actually could be a viable possibility. Now, he doesn't have an agent. We all know that. His mom uh, certainly represents him and is always in the room. That makes negotiations, I think, a little bit different. Because, you know, like you and I, we have an agent. So if our company doesn't necessarily see eye to eye where we think we're valued and what our value is, they can tell our agent straight up, well, you know, I think Katie George is a great sideline reporter, but maybe I don't think she's the best host in studio. Well, then the agent is the middleman and can lighten that blow by relaying that information to me. Well, you can't really have a buffer or you have to have straight Frank conversations when you're sitting at the table doing your own negotiations and it's your mom sitting right next to you. So you wonder how no agent mom at the table impacts negotiations, but I I truly believe Baltimore knows they have an incredible talent in Lamar Jackson, an incredible quarterback. They just want to keep him healthy. And I think ultimately a deal will get done, but I wouldn't be surprised if we're well into the middle of the season or even after if we're still talking about Lamar Jackson's deal not being done.
2: Yeah, I'm a lawyer, and I have an agent. And it's because yeah, of exactly, exactly what you just said. It is 100% easier to negotiate with a third party and and a, 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 have somebody else advocating on your behalf. But sure. Lamar so far has bet on himself. And frankly, so far, it's paid off because quarterbacks have just gotten paid more and more and more. And presumably, if he had an agent, he would have already signed a deal by now. Canteen Carlin is presented by Progressive Insurance, a triple threat of protection with home, auto, and more. Visit progressive.com. Coming up next, we go over to the world of golf, Tiger Woods. He missed the cut. What's it mean? Canty and Carlin here on ESPN Radio. If you're not familiar with Katie George, you can hear her every Sunday on Best Week Ever, every Sunday morning alongside Peter Burns, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m., I think, if I have that correct.
3: Yeah, it's and too early. And do I hear that my counterpart, weren't you working with him this this week? Does he have a mustache? Is that, was, is that true?
2: Yes. The rumors are true. Why on earth mustache. does he
3: have a mustache?
2: Well, prepare yourself for Sunday if you guys are doing your show sure, for looks Best Terrible. Week Ever. Uh, there's a story to it. Uh, it's not his best look. Let's just put it that way. There's not many Well, (laughs) you said it, not me. You guys are a lot (laughs) closer. Uh, No, but I love Peter. He's very fun to work with. But also, Katie, in addition to doing Best Week Ever here on ESPN Radio every Sunday, you can also see her all over your television screens because she just covers about every single everything for ESPN. You were everywhere. F1 races. You are all over lacrosse, college football. And you were at NBA Summer League in Las Vegas, which I love Las Vegas. I've never been to Summer League action, though. What was it like? It seems like it was anybody who was anybody in the NBA.
3: Yes, it's hot as hell in Vegas right now, but I think it's hot everywhere in the country, Uh, so I don't feel badly that I was just in 110, 115-degree heat. But it is um, the dealings and wheelings of all major NBA players, their agents, the front offices, and it's where you get to go see the young and brightest talent trying to make Teams make rosters, get themselves into the league, get contracts, and then you get to see, obviously, the highest draft picks that just came out of the draft a month ago. And it, it's so much fun, I think, to see a Apollo Bancaro uh, get to showcase why Orlando – seemingly quietly decided that they weren't going to go with Jabari Smith Jr. They weren't going to go with Chet Holmgren and they were going to pick him even though they didn't even work him out Mm -hmm. before the draft. They still knew hey this guy has so much upside and he's NBA ready. Well he turned down
2: the workouts right? He didn't bother because he didn't think he was going as the number one pick.
3: I know he didn't think so. So he's like why am I going to go do that? And then he ends up being the number one pick and and he was great in his first couple showings. It's, It's a really cool event if you haven't been before rather to cover it or just to go what's
2: Uh, the access like is it better access than typical you know nba access it's
3: great yeah they're not superstars yet so you get a lot of access and a lot of the superstars were on the sidelines supporting these young players you know they'll talk to you uh, um, about where they are with their contracts where they are with this team and their hopes and their expectations moving forward Um, the access is really really cool and it's just a great event with so many different games and the nba 365 days they are creating content for you 365 days and I I think that the league is just in such a great place
2: there was a lot of dinners and a lot of schmoozing (laughs) coming out of summer league from the reports there was meetings between the Miami Heat and the Brooklyn Nets at least they were Uh dining together what does it mean with a Kevin Durant potential trade maybe Kyrie Irving so much to unpack Amber Wilson and Katie George here on Canteen Carlin on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. You can tweet to us at AmberW Sports at Katie underscore George zero five. So, Tiger Tiger Woods, y'all, he missed the cut. Katie, he and just his third try at an official tournament this season. He did not make the cut six hours and he shot six over 78. He was 14 shots behind the leader, Cameron young when he ended up missing the cut. What do you make of this for tiger woods? Do you feel like we're seeing the end here of tiger? I mean, he's still out there trying though.
3: I have learned to never um, count out tiger woods Uh, Because if any man knows how to overcome adversity, it's him. But I look at what he's done these last couple of months and the fact that he has played in these tournaments. And while, yes, he has missed the cut, I think it is a win and a victory that he is even playing the game of golf that he loves. I I just think that we overlook how severe the car crash was and what that meant for him and his future. And the fact that he's out at St. Andrews playing – I think, is a win for golf fans everywhere. You know, when he was walking up uh, onto 18 at St. Andrews, he got teary-eyed. And that was, uh, I think, an emotional moment for for everybody in the stands. He had a a standing ovation. Um, A lot of the golfers stayed around even after they finished their round to watch him come up knowing that, you know, missing the cut was impending. He might not get to play at St. Andrews again. And he said that after the round. He said, you know, I I just kind of – it hit me that – this might be the last time that I play this event here at this venue by the time it comes back around to St. Andrews. And he was wiping away tears. So I still think that he should be applauded for the fact that he's even playing golf at this point.
2: Here was Tiger Woods emotional after missing the cut.
6: It was very emotional for me. Um, I've been coming here since 1995. And, um, I don't know when the, I think the next one comes around in what, 2:30, 2030? Uh, and <laughs> I don't know if I'll be physically able to play by then. You know, to me, it felt like that this might have been my last British Open here at St. Andrews, and the fans, uh, the ovation, and the warmth—it uh, was an unbelievable feeling. Uh, I understand what, what Jack and Arnold, you know, had gone through in the past, and um, I was kind of feeling that way there at, at the end, and just the uh, just the collective warmth and understanding—they uh, understand. what what golf's all about and uh, what it takes to be an Open champion.
2: A lot of people call St. Andrews the home of golf. Mm -hmm. And it probably, the British Open probably will not be back there until at the earliest, 2027. He would be 51 years old at that point. He is a two-time winner at St. Andrews in 2000 and 2005, but he was tied here for 146th among 156 players in the field after the first round. He wasn't the worst, Katie. There was golfers. (laughs) Who were worse, uh, who hadn't gone through, you know, catastrophic car wrecks where they thought they were never going to be able to walk again, which is what Tiger Woods was up against. But according to ESPN stats and info, the only other time Woods was in a worse position after the first 18 in a major was in 2015 at the U.S. Open at Chambers Bay, of course, after that. He does win a Masters. He does make a comeback. So it's Mm -hmm. possible that we haven't seen the end of Tiger Woods, but it feels like maybe we've seen the end of Tiger Woods at St. Andrews.
3: Yeah, and other golfers were even asked about it, which seems a little morbid, I think, to ask about somebody's career coming to an end or what it would be like without Tiger Woods on the tour playing at events. And, you know, all of them kind of echo the same sentiments. It's going to be a really sad day. For the golfers involved who love playing alongside him, who love playing against him, for the fans who have grown up watching him, knowing that he was the face of the tour for so, so long. Um, I, I can't think of a day when we're not seeing that championship red uh, on Sundays and we're, we're finally getting to that point where Tiger's not in the mix on the final day of the weekend. And, and I just think that that's, you know, the world we live in that's the timing of it but I still think every day that he's able to go out and play a round of golf should be cherished because the fact that he came back from that car crash is pretty remarkable.
2: Yeah, it's a testament to everything that he's been through, that he's Mm -hmm. at a place where, yes, it is a struggle in order to even make the cut. But also, it's a testament to the Tiger Woods effect generally, Katie, where he's influenced so many young people to play golf that now he's having to compete against those young people. So even if he hadn't gone through everything, he's gone through physically. You know, he he inspired a generation, and now the generation's competing with him.
3: He did. And you think about, you know, Justin Thomas is the first one that comes to mind in terms of inspiring a young player to play on the PGA Tour. And Justin Thomas is now one of the biggest names on the tour and standing strong. He will not go to live golf. And I I think Tiger Woods would be a proponent to applaud him for that. So we can obviously get into all the drama that is PGA tour versus live later on.
2: Well, yes, there's plenty of drama there and Tiger Woods making interesting comments about live golf recently, but coming up next, what does the Texans settling 30 cases mean for Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns? This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN radio.